Are you a victim crippled by the minotaur in the labyrinth of your mind? Or will you fight your biggest challenges like Theseus and fulfill your potential? My name is Zulfakar and welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. Welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. My guest today is Mohammed Sheikh, who is the founder of Coach the Mind, um, whereby he helps people heal from uh, thoughts, emotions, and behaviors using NLP, hypnosis, and heart math. Mohammed, thank you for being here and welcome. Hey, thanks, Ovakar. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. And, you know, I always like to kick off these calls with just a brief introduction from the horse's mouth. So, for those people that don't know who you are, could you just give a quick overview of you know well, who you are and what you've done? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the short story is, um, you know, in, in a couple minutes, I'm a guy who used to get straight A's in school, got hit with anxiety in my you know first year, second year, to the point that I ended up with $30,000 in student loan debt and mm-hmm. did not graduate because I just couldn't overcome. And the only thing that really helped me make massive changes in my life was getting involved in personal development and specifically neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. And that really changed my entire life around. You know, I got in corporate sales. I was in the tech sector for, you know, a number of years. So, you know, I climbed that sort of corporate ladder, did very well, always as a sales guy, um, and eventually decided... I got sick and tired of the whole corporate nonsense, <laughs> as it seems, right? And I know you know a little bit about that. So I, I I left that life and I actually started up my own technology business, basically doing what I used to do for, for corporate, but doing it for myself. And that, again, you know, uh, demanded even more personal growth and really me knowing myself because, hey, I was good at tech. I've always been good at tech. That was been my passion since I was a kid. I've been coding since I was nine. Uh, but, you know, becoming good at sales uh, and then everything else, like having to learn accounting and, and business laws and the legalities and all of that. I mean, you know, so much growth. But what the interesting thing that happened there was I was getting a massage. Um, this was in like the last year of my corporate life because, you know, corporate paid for, uh, you know, massages, <laughs> right? So why not? It was actually in the office yeah. building where, you know, where, where the company I worked for had its offices. So um, someone that I've obviously known uh, for a number of months now, I've been going to her pretty much every month and she starts telling me she has panic attacks. And so very casually, I'm just the kind of guy that likes to help people. I say, you know what? I was taking this program, um, you know, it's called NLP and it's really due with confidence and communication. Um, But, you know, in the program, I actually learned something called the 10 minute phobia cure. So it sounds like you're having claustrophobia because every time you got on a bus, you know, she started having panic attacks. Let me run this with you. Anyway, so I run it with her and um, it worked. It actually worked. Her panic attacks stopped immediately. You know, the next time I saw her, she was like beaming. She couldn't believe what happened. I couldn't believe that happened because this is the first time I actually did something like this outside of the classroom. So that really sort of, um, I guess, planted some seeds. And so when I quit corporate life, um, people, friends noticed how I kind of went 180 with my life and they started asking me and that 
experience was also fresh. So I started sort of teaching and, and doing what helped me with my friends. And then they started referring other people out. And then, you know, eight years ago, I realized that, oh my God, nine years ago now, I realized that, hey, like this is something I'm really good at and I should do this. So the work that I do today, as far as helping people, you know, heal their behaviors or thoughts or emotions, in many ways started off as an accident. Like this wasn't something that I said, hey, I want to be an NLP yes. practitioner. I want to be a hypnotist. I want to be a coach. In many ways, I just wanted to really help people. I just want to really, you know, be a good Muslim, like serve, serve my Lord, right? Like that was always the intention behind it. So that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. And uh, over the years, I've learned a lot of different modalities. Just if anyone is doing something that gets results, I do my best to, to go to him or her and, and learn so I can, I can continue to help people. Brilliant, brilliant. I mean, there's, you know, there's quite a few things that I'd like to unpack in that in itself. But uh, before we continue, like, could you, for the sake of the audience, even for my sake, like, you know, what is the definition and, and the difference between um, NLP, hypnotherapy and, and heart math? Yeah, okay, for sure. So um, I'm going to give you probably the best definition of NLP or one of the better definitions of NLP, because I meet a lot of people who are NLP trained mm-hmm. yet you know how there's a difference Zulfakar, between someone that knows a bunch of recipes from a cookbook and mm-hmm. someone that really knows how to cook. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately we live in a time, I mean, you can buy an NLP training off of Udemy, right? For like, Uh, we live in a time where most people are being trained or being taught the recipes and they're being taught by people who themselves were just taught the recipes, right? So what NLP really is, is what John Grinder, Richard Bandler, and Frank Puslick, the co-creators of NLP, what they really created was a set of tools that models human behavior, And specifically human excellence, because if you're going to model behavior, why would you model someone that's depressed, right? And it began from the question, again, Bandler was a student along with Frank Pierce, like a student of psychology. And they were, you know, Bandler in one of his books, he says, what really frustrated and also frustrated me about psychology, but it was also very curious is how come everyone and everything we're studying has emphasis on why people have problems. And what are we going to call those problems? So why do people have problems? And what are the names of those diagnoses, those labels? And how come no one is actually studying what works? You know, what creates actual change? What about the person who used to have panic attacks and suddenly didn't? What just happened? What, ha- what, what happened unconsciously? What happened consciously? What did they have to say to themselves? What did they have to do physically? You know, like really to unpack that. And so the real brilliance of NLP is that they created a bunch of tools which allows an individual to go into another person who's doing something brilliantly, get in there, elicit, you know, that genius, if you will. And then, and this is, this is where the techniques and the recipes comes from, being able to codify or turn that into a process. So if someone is an amazing golf player, you know, as an NLP, you know, guy, I can go and interview and ask questions, not just what they're doing externally, not just their workout routines, but really 
very unconscious type, you know, questions to a series of interviewing and really bringing that out. Um, and then being able to codify that and turn it into a process so I can teach like a whole, you know, uh, a clubhouse of golfers exactly what's going on. I actually won an archery tournament doing <laughs> doing this once. Wow, right? okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, um, so that's really what NLP is. So that's the first definition, a, a set of tools that models, you know, human behavior. The second uh, set of tools, um, sorry, the second definition would then be actually using these tools, these recipes uh, for purposes of change work or influence or communication. So it's really like the doing part, but uh, people know a lot of recipes, but they don't really know how to cook, right? So that's NLP. What hypnosis is, hypnosis is, I mean, hypnosis, there's, you know, the truth about hypnosis is if you get a thousand hypnotists together, this is a joke in my circles, and every you ask them what's the defini uh, definition of hypnosis, um, everyone will give you a different answer, right? Mm -hmm. And it's true because people even respond and experience hypnosis very differently. What we do know is that it is a different state. It is a state of, um, you know, the definition that I'm really liking these days is it's believed in imaginings, right? It's a willing suspension right. of disbelief, right? Um, you know, there, there's lots of folks out there that try to make it more than it is. Uh, it, it's sort of being disassociated from an experience, right? So, you know, sort of like when you zone out, you know, that's a, a, a state of trance. Uh, what we do know is that it's hyper-consciousness, it's hyperactivity, and it allows us to kind of have these powerful experiences. So for me, hypnosis is something that really amplifies an experience, which is really important because when we're doing change work, what we know is the more intense an emotion, that's the deeper rooted an event kind of takes hold. And so mm -hmm. if someone had trauma in their lives and they want to shake that off, they don't want to have the panic attacks anymore, or they just you know want to speak up for themselves at work, they want to get noticed, but they're always shy, whatever that is, you know, there's usually some sort of an emotional belief that's kind of taken root around safety and protection. Well, I yeah. need to now create using hypnosis um, Another experience, which is even more intense, but in an empowering emotion, not fear, right? right? Or mm -hmm. maybe confidence, or maybe, you know, what the opportunity, right? Or maybe really like being seen, you know, whatever that is, uh, to sort of collapse that. And, and this is really neuroscience and hypnosis, right? And heart math. Okay, so heart math. This found me in my life in 2016. So about six years ago now, and, you know, as you said, I started this organization called Coach the Mind, and it's a training organization. You know, I work with, I teach workshops, I work one-on-one -on -one with people, but I also teach other practitioners who want to kind of do what I do, right? But it was all mm -hmm. Coach the Mind, you know, and, and uh, I call myself the mind mechanic. That's what it says on my license plate, right? <laughs> so I thought it was all about the mind, but, you know, the thing is, there were times where I would brilliantly you know, solve or help solve people's uh, issues. It was always a co-creation, of course, right? Um, and then there would be times that I couldn't, and I always felt there was, you know, intuitively, I sort of felt there was a missing piece. And it wasn't until heart math that I really understood the relationship between our organ, like the physical organ of the heart and our brain. So we're talking like the physical brain and the physical heart through the nervous system and how the emotions that we feel actually changes our heartbeat on a beat-to-beat -beat basis. 
And that actually sends a very different signal to our brain. In fact, the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart, which is really kind of cool. And what mm -hmm. this organization, I mean, I didn't come up with HeartMath. They've been around for about 30 plus years now out of uh, Boulder Creek, California. They've been doing research around the energetics of the heart. So right into what happens at a hormonal mm -hmm. level, depending on the emotions, how does that affect performance? How does that, uh, you know, um, impact our, our mental capabilities as well? But more stuff on what about intuition? What about those sort of things that, you know how like you haven't been thinking of someone for a long time and suddenly this individual pops into your head and you don't know why it's been a number of years, but you're thinking of them. And then an hour later, they like call yeah. you and you get an email from you or something like that. Well, mm -hmm. well, can we do some research and some experimentation around that? And they found that if you call that a type of intuition, right? Uh, and they have three types of intu intuition that they categorize as the energetics. So like, you know, like animals can sense the weather. This is yeah. the electromagnetic and, and this is physics, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's, no, uh, there's um, stuff and knowledge that we learned uh, in the past and we forgot in it, but when we need it, it suddenly comes to conscious awareness, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's a sort of non-local intuition, which no rhyme or reason, but they found that when an individual genuinely lives their life with compassion or kindness or gratitude, hope, faith, strength, pride, in a good way, not arrogance, um, those sorts of emotion creates the conditions, if you will, for us to be more open or receptive to that sort of intuition, right? And, um, you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, but it's been a big it. impact I mean, in, my, in, my, uh, in my work. So that really allowed me to, to start bringing that layer with the power of the unconscious mind, with, you know, the patterns, you know, the neuroscience really rounded me out in a way. Um, so it's, it's, you know, the other side of the coin in many ways. So that's hard math. Brilliant. I mean, yeah. again, once again, that's just been so much. <laughs> Sorry, I know. I just like, it's like it's <laughs> sometimes, right? <laughs> um, so, I mean, just to put it into the context of the podcast, so obviously, this is the Minotaur's maze, and my whole branding is, is, is the Minotaur. And that's, you know, symbolic of the, the Greek myth, the half man, half bull beast, you know. So, the mind is a maze, life is a maze, and inside the maze, there's the Minotaur, which is fears, anxieties. In your case, what you're talking about is behaviors emotions um and thoughts so that's the internal minotaur and then obviously the external minotaur are the challenges that we face um in in life both on a you know local level where we might have family issues or uh health issues and then on a global level with i mean we'll move on to it with what's been happening around the world for the past um two years so am i correct in in saying then you know L nlp hypnosis um, and heart math are tools for people to deal with their internal minotaurs absolutely which can, in my one-on-one -on -one sessions we're basically slaying minotaurs every day <laughs> and on that note then they are just tools Correct. so you can use them for positive uh means but can they also be used for negative means and have devastating affects on people sure absolutely like any tool right i mean it's like money it's an amplifier right um 
I mean, you know, depending on how old we are, uh, as far as the listener goes, you know, what was the, there was this whole pickup community, right? Uh, the pickup artists. I, I think this was in the early 2000s. And it was really interesting because I actually knew nothing about this, right? Mm-hmm. And when I started telling people I was learning NLP, they were like, why would you learn that? You know, you're married. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like completely like, no, I had no idea. Right. And another friend was like, why do you want to manipulate people? Right. I'm like, right. what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Like, you, you know me. I mean, you know, but, but absolutely. Right. I mean, there is, there's language patterns. There's, uh, you know, just Google NLP language patterns or hypnosis language patterns. And, um, you know, like I, I, yeah, you know what? All communication is manipulation. Something my teacher used to say. It's absolutely true, right? And and yeah, I am a very manipulative person if you think about mm-hmm. it. But you know, my intentions are always good and pure. I was at a pizza store the other day picking up pizza. This is actually, I think, pre-pandemic. This story, but um, this guy came in and he totally tore a new one off the cashier, like, you know, put her down, yelled at her all because she didn't, they ran out of paper plates. Wow. Right. And just Mm -hmm. swore at her and made her feel like, you know, and just stormed off. And she she was literally shaking. Right. And so, you know, what did I do? Well, I I looked at her and I went like this. (laughs) 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 And uh, she just started laughing. And she's like, you're weird. I'm like, I know. And, you know, I manipulated her and I just broke her out of the trance that she was probably going to be in for the rest of the day. But I snapped that. And and so, yes. Yeah. So you basically mean, change, there's there's change a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. We, I see it in marketing all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's ball a ball grocery ball. store on the shopping mm. carts. Every single shopping cart, it says crave more. Right, every on the handle of every single, so you're you're holding it. As soon as you go to grab the shopping cart, crave more. You know that's a command. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, the if you look at some of the stats, I think they, they say that the average person today sees something like four thousand adverts every day now, um, or, or something like that. And obviously, with with the phones, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. It's just constant bombardment with advert after advert. Now those people behind the ads might be you know selling a a, a great service a, a service that does good for people but if we're being bombarded with these adverts pretty much 24/7 now how healthy really is it even if these people do have good intentions behind it yeah no absolutely i mean our brain isn't designed to have this much especially visual stimulation it's not right and uh you know, I did a detox once, content detox. Not that I'm engaged in watching anything too dist- like I don't I don't watch like Ozarks or like I don't watch I did an experiment. HeartMath gave me a sensor which measures HRV because that's a good way to fit figure out like the amount of stress that's happening in our body. It's kind of like the golden medical standard, uh looking mm-hmm. at your HRV rhythm. So I would watch different TV shows um with uh, you know, like an HRV sensor hooked up. And most of what's on Netflix, you know, the vast majority of what's on Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it it just creates stress in the body. So why should I do that? But anyways, 
I, I did a I did a content uh, detox where I didn't watch anything. I didn't read any books. I didn't like nothing. And, you know, I think it took about two and a half weeks where I said to my wife, huh, I think I'm finally having my own thoughts again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's interesting in and of itself. Do, do you want to backtrack there? And so Netflix and all of these streaming channels, even YouTube probably not, obviously it's a streaming thing. So this creates stress um, in, in, in the body. Can you explain that? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, and then I get all these youth who are struggling with depression and anxiety. But I mean, let's look on what's on TV. Like I grew up with Full House and Family Matters and who's like, these are wholesome. Yeah, they were corny, especially with today's standards. Right. But you know what? They they gave you a model. Right. Like that's the thing. TV and media, you know, stories. It's a story, right? The metaphor, the mandatory, it's a story. It's something for us to take meaning from, uh, to take metaphor from, hypnosis, the work that I do often. I say, listen, don't read too much into whatever came up. It's not like memory isn't perfect, first of all. So when we do hypnosis or NLP and you remember something happening, take it as metaphor, not literal truth, right? Because memory is always changing anyways. But, you know, and then there's the, our, our, our mirror neurons. So what we are seeing on TV, we're actually feeling like that's us that it's happening to. So, you know, nowadays, most TV is very dark, <laughs> right? Almost every Absolutely. character, every, you know, like now Netflix has the, the top 10 list. And uh, most of that, the shows, there's people with severe disorders, you know, psychological disorders are unhealthy people. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I, I have seen these shows, too, of course. You know, there's some stuff that I'll just draw the line that I won't. But I remember I, I totally watched uh, Jessica Jones. But, man, she's messed up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like she has some issues. Right. As far as the character goes, of course, uh, I, I don't know anything about the actual actor. Um, but, you know, then we're watching this and it's creating, you know, we're, we're modeling that. And there's a part of our brain that's actually living that life because that's what happens mm-hmm. it's how we learn right the mirror neurons right that's uh, how we learn we see daddy you know brushing his hair or brushing his teeth or shaving right and then that part of our brain it's as if i'm doing it and so i do the emotions and that's how i learn it's part of you know it's, that's why it's there um mm-hmm. but now we're in all this sort of dark stuff right mm-hmm. and and we don't we're not we don't know just how much metaphor and beliefs are being fed to us is is so subtle you know so all of this is essentially it's, it's basically it's hypnosis it's nlp it's sure i mean is it brainwashing would you go to say would you go that far and say it is brainwashing i mean it is conditioning and programming to some extent um and it's interesting that you know you, you said all of that because you know they, they say that obviously there's the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and the subconscious mind is more powerful than uh the conscious mind and one of the other things they say, and you can shed more light. Uh, yeah, they is... say that, although I don't agree that the subconscious is more powerful. Okay. I would say that the unconscious or the subconscious, I, I like conscious mind and unconscious mind. They're all labels, you know, subconscious mind, monkey brain. That's another one a teacher mm-hmm. of mine used to call it. <laughs> I would say that uh, we live our lives mostly unconscious. You know, the automatic processes that we have, we wake up the same day, we go to have our morning routine the exact same way, you know, whatever that is for Mm -hmm. different people. So a lot of it is just habits, right? 
Uh, but I would say that the most powerful thing in us, as far as our mind is concerned, is our critical thinking, is our critical mm -hmm. capacity, right? And un unfortunately, uh, most people haven't really developed their critical thinking. <laughs> so they're, they're basically functioning on their subconscious mind. So, Correct. They're functioning uh... on a, a bunch of beliefs. And, and <laughs> this is something I say that if you just rely on the school system and that's mm -hmm. it, and then you just go to work, you will die. You know, you live to 90 years old, 100 years old, let's say God grants you a very long life, a very healthy life. You will still die on a set of beliefs and rules and, and individual laws that were acquired from childhood. Like mm -hmm. there's no updates, right? And it's only through the act of, you know, further education. It's only through the act of personal development, self-awareness, self-introspection or introspection that's redundant. Um, where you will really develop that capacity to, to critically think and then evaluate it and, you know, um, sort of sort out the stuff that you used to serve you, that you used to believe versus what's true today and what needs to be true today, right? This is such, such so, yeah, yeah, brainwashing, sure. Yeah. I know that was your question, but I don't know <laughs> if I'm the guy that says that, you know what, sometimes I'll believe it. Sometimes I, I do feel, you know, uh, and just because I feel something doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> right? Well, it just goes to what you're just saying there. Obviously, you know, take that example. You know, some of you grow, grows up in the education system, and then they go to work. Like, you know, I'll, I'll give myself as the, as a prime example. So, you know, I'm living the life as as you would say. I'm a corporate lawyer. Uh, I've got my own law firm. I'm driving the car. I've got the house, but I'm miserable as as hell. And my routine is I wake up at the same time, sit in miserable traffic that I don't want to sit in. Um, do a job that I absolutely hate, come home, switch on Netflix, switch on a video game, eat, go to sleep. Uh, so I'm not developing this, you know, what you call critical thinking uh, and whatever I'm consuming, that's just going without any resistance in my own mind. Like, you know, I'm not filtering the information that's coming in. Uh, and, and back to the point that I was trying to make earlier, you know, they say that there's a part of the subconscious mind which cannot tell the difference between reality and fantasy and if you don't have that critical thinking kind of guard then whatever you're just feeding your mind is going straight to that part of the subconscious mind which can't tell the difference between uh, reality and, and fantasy and if we grow up watching films where there's lots of blood gore violence and, and and war a part of us is processing that as real life so are you basically saying that, you know, the majority of us are suffering from traumas in our mind, not from what's happened in real life, but from something that we've seen on TV or video games. Um, and it's just gone past our critical thinking filter to a part of the mind which believes that we've experienced this trauma. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am saying that. Uh, of course, depends, not always, but... Mm -hmm. um, Okay, so, so let's get technical here, and this will answer your question. So in the model of hypnosis, you have the conscious mind and you have the unconscious mind, and that security guard that you're talking about is called the critical faculty. Okay, so the critical faculty is basically like a firewall of the brain or a security guard, and its job is to basically decide what goes in and what goes out. Okay, there are certain tactics moves, if you will, that when you employ that, 
they're very effective in getting past the critical faculty, getting mm -hmm. past mm -hmm. the security guard, if you will, the firewall. And as I begin to list them off, you're going to laugh because suddenly it's going to become so apparent. One of the ways to get past the critical faculty is creating fear. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. Another yep. way to get past the critical faculty is creating confusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> Another one is to overload. Right? I mean, sometimes I can just start going on, you know, one of my teachers does this a lot, obviously a lot better than I can, but I can ask you to forget all of the things that you remember to forget for this podcast, but I want you to remember amnesia. And that's an interesting thing, what amnesia really is, because is amnesia forgetting or is it remembering to forget all the things that you haven't remembered yet, right? Okay. So it's just this whole dump, right? Mm. And the brain is like, what is this guy trying to say? And then I, you know, I fall in love with close your eyes now, sleep now, and you just, okay, sure, that's easier. Wow. Right? And, and you look at, you know, how much, how much fear, how much confusion, how much are we overloaded? You know, there's always a cause that's being presented to us to get behind. Right? And that's because human, we want to feel like we're doing something. We want to feel that we are standing up for something, that we're making a difference. And, you know, but... Um, you know, these causes conveniently come up. <laughs> and we all yeah, rally I mean, upon that's, them, that's right? That's a deep topic. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you get time, we'll, we'll touch upon that. But going back to, you know, what you just said, and, you know, uh, I think you probably know why I started laughing. Um, but, you know, when you talk about fear and uncertainty and overloading, like the last two to three years, uh, especially the pandemic, that's been in overdrive. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, that's been an overdrive for the last two, three years. But I would go so far as saying that, you know, this has been uh, ongoing for, for, I would say, decades now. Um, and, and some of the programming, it might be innocent in, in nature, but it's had devastating consequences. And I'll, and, and I'll give you another example from my life. You know, I've got a vivid, vivid, vivid memory of, you know, being in, in, in nursery or reception class. Um, and they used to roll in the, uh, I don't know if they had it over there, but the, where they bring in, in school, they bring in the, the monitor with the video cassette player all in one and then they show you the, uh, the screen. So one of the things that they used to show us then is um, basically don't talk to strangers because it's, um, you know, there's danger there. And uh, on that screen, there's uh, a girl walking by uh, and then a van pulls up and then you see a hand come out from the van uh, holding some sweets and the girl grabs the sweets and then the guys grab their girl and, and off they go um, and then th there was this real you know drive that you don't talk to strangers strangers are dangerous strangers are bad um, which you know that has innocent um, it's good intentions but the problem with that uh, which I found out you know from self-reflection self-reflection later in life is at the end of the day you know there's six to eight billion people on the planet the majority of them I'm never going to know. So they're all strangers to me. Now, if I've gone through this programming where I'm thinking everybody that I don't know is a stranger, I need to fear them. Uh, I developed from that 
social anxiety, a fear of speaking, fear of talking to people. Um, and, and I'm certain so many people went through that same programming and feel the same way. Now, that programming um, happened in childhood, but it stuck with me for all the way into adulthood until I did something and went through this uh, personal development journey, which, you know, you alluded to earlier. Um, but obviously, even even in those days, the, the, the video games started coming in and, and, and the films and the TV series started to get more graphic. Uh, and obviously, with now with technology, like uh, these things, games and TV series, they're so lifelike now, you know, you can't even tell the difference anymore. But the last two years, or the last three years now, um, it's, it's just gone that fast, although it's, it's been a difficult period. The fear, the anxiety, the stress, the confusion uh, has been in overdrive. And, you know, I don't want to turn this into a conspiracy thing, but um, a lot of people would argue that it's been deliberate. Um, what the end goal, what the agenda is, that's anybody's guess. But it certainly had the impact of creating a lot of fear, of creating a lot of panic, uh, a lot of confusion. Uh, and if you're saying that's taken away our security guard, to use your word, what has gone straight into our subconscious mind? Um, and, you know, firstly, what is your view of that, you know, especially what's happening in the last two or three years? And if the damage is done, how do we undo it? So, you know, in the example of being shown these things, I mean, I mean, you know, we both come from the same sort of cultural background, both Pakistani, right? So, you know, there's something that elders would say growing up, you know, like Baba Ajayga, which basically, you know, translated as, you know, like the big boogeyman is going to come and get you, right? The thing is, children don't have critical thinking. Children, as far as their development of their brain, they actually can tell the difference. Everything, when they imagine in something, they're actually thinking that that's real, right? And so, you know, I don't have so much issue with using a metaphor like that to help children as long as you are updating the map, you're updating the model, right? Again, this is when most people don't update anything, and this is the thing school has completely failed us in that in this regards now, right? Um, you know, they used to say things like this a lot worse to keep children safe decades ago, and those children didn't come up with problems. So why do they now? The reason is, is because as children are getting better, I mean, the, the parents and the adults, like the whole model, we're just in these devices. We're just in, like, we're not actually seeing real world. We don't have this contrast or this comparison, right? And that's in a way, you know, in order for us to critically evaluate, well, to evaluate, you need the other side, right? And so this is what ends up happening for, for a healthy individual. Sure, you know, as a five-year-old, I need to stay with my parents or my parents may say something, but then as I get older, and I start engaging and I see my parents engaging with strangers. I'm, you know, constantly being updated that, you know what, actually it's safe. So it never really becomes an issue most of the time. And if it does, then, you know, we, we get that sorted out. I mean, it's the work I do, right? Um, so if you take that sort of like as a recipe, if you will, and sort of apply to what's, yeah, if we've had into the last three years, I mean, we have to just, in a way, we have to have contrast, right? I mean, the worst place to go for our dosage of reality is the internet, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm convinced that if someone didn't have access to the internet, 
they may not have even known COVID was happening, for example. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, okay, two and a half years later, and it's everywhere. I mean, it's on the billboards. You know, I'm driving on the highway, and, you know, there's a billboard that's telling me to get my 10th shot, right? Or, or whatever. And it's not just get your 10th shot, it's do the right thing. You know, think of your family, think of other people, think of your neighbors, get the 10th shot. And, you know, it's not just, uh, it's not critical thinking, right? It's, that's a very emotional statement, isn't it? It's no difference than going to the bank and the bank billboard says, uh, don't fall behind, get ahead in life by getting uh, our loan, mm-hmm. right? So don't fall behind, get ahead and left. How? By going into debt, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so, so this is the thing to, 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 again, just to be more clear, my answer is we need to remove ourselves, maybe go on a content cleanse, uh, remove ourselves and, and go and actually, you know, go out, go outside. You know, experience what's really going on and, and, and go find people that perhaps mm-hmm. are living life fearlessly or despite the fear mm-hmm. and still mm-hmm. doing their thing. And that will help you sort of normalize. And then well, you well, that, yeah, you know, I, I completely agree with that. And yeah. that makes a lot of sense. However, I would say in this instance, uh, especially the last two years before that, you know, I, if you said this to me two, three years ago, 100%. But what's happened now and this is my opinion you might disagree with this is this what we're seeing now on the internet or on the media it's not just on the internet and the media anymore it is in real life too so this whole scare it happened um but then when we went outside everybody's masked up people are now not sitting with each other they're looking at each other suspiciously if you went out without a mask all of a sudden you know you could have been the nicest person in the world if you went out with a mask at that point you're an public enemy number one you're selfish you're this and that you're that you know the other thing so i feel like we've crossed a point now where even if it does happen on the internet it's now directly impacting uh the real world and that's not just with covid now you know you you mentioned it earlier like every week there's some kind of panic pandemonium happening there's a, a war here there's violence here there's I mean, I've, I've stayed away from from the, uh, the the topic, but abortion in in America at the moment that's causing a great uproar. Um, but these things are happening on the internet. But for the first time that I've noticed in the last two years is when you have these conversations now with people that you've known all your life, you almost you're finding now you're on two different sides of the argument depending on on how you see things, and those arguments are getting heated, uh, and they are getting past the point where people have lost relationships because uh, from it real life relationships from it so some things obviously change dramatically um but how from from you know your perspective and the mind like how would you heal something like that now you know if, if, if something is now so deep rooted, you've, you've been living in fear for the last two three years with so much confusion um and say for, for argument's sake that that's been happening and then certain powers that be you know let's just use that term have been using um nlp and and hypnosis and and other forms of of manipulation to basically manipulate a mind you know if you've been subjected to that for two three years like how would you undo that and and how long will it take Uh, and firstly like how would you become aware of it that you have been manipulated in that way um how do you become aware 
Oh, uh, that's, I don't know. That's an interesting <laughs> question, right? And I only ask that because at the moment now, it's it's basically the way things are now. It's when, when people are having a debate or whatever you want to call it, it's, it's not a debate anymore. It's I've got my views, I'm right. You've got your views and, and you think you're right. And there's no, there's it's just like you're at a stage where the other person legitimately cannot see the opposing opinion anymore. Well, you know, so I would say, yes, things have definitely 10 x but all of these things have always existed. You know, you I mean, politics, religion, beliefs. I mean, you know, uh, I once shut down an argument by saying, well, don't listen to me, right? Because what do I know what I'm talking about? I still believe in angels, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And and this person didn't. So, you know, um, you know, I believe in God. I believe in in a hereafter, right? And, and, And not everyone does, right? So, there's always going to be that where, you know, going back into, you know, our earliest of scholars, you know, and, and even the philosophers, there were so many sayings around, um, you know, debate with people who are on the search for truth, right? And there's no point about debating with anyone that's not actually searching for truth. They just want to stay, and and, and there's no dialogue there, right? And so... Let me answer your question in, in a bit of a different way. Um, so I, um, when the pandemic, since we're talking about the pandemic, when that happened, a lot of red alar- alarms, you know, red alerts, you know, I grew up watching Star Trek kind of, kind of went off for me. Right, because I, I noticed. I mean, being a coach, listening to language. I mean, this is what allows me to be effective to help people. Right, um, and, and NLP has been a part of my life for 15 years. I mean, my initial training was 200 hours, and by the time I was done, like my entire like apprenticeship, if you will, I was well over almost a thousand hours in just classroom. Mm. Right, so this is not something. It's not a Udemy course for me. Um, so a lot of patterns started emerging a lot of language started uh, a lot of like what I would call influence bully tactics started emerging that it just started making me question things right and so I found myself you know really immersed in podcasts that were very pro-vaccine for example and Mm -hmm. you know kind of reading up and listening to those guys and then I also joined a bunch of groups like on WhatsApp and, and whatnot that were very you know, would be labeled as conspiracy theorists, right? The thing is, being a part of either of those groups created anxiety. Yes. And I couldn't do anything, Mm -hmm. right? And so I just started, I just shut them both off. And I Mm -hmm. sought out friends who were just, hey, man, we're going to go have a part, a picnic or a barbecue or listen, you know, my kid is going through this. What do you suggest? Or, hey, what are we doing for school for our children? Or, you know, just like real, just the the boring life stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. how do I get my grass? It's dying in my backyard. How do I get that repaired? Like, you know, just everyday normal mm-hmm. life stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I found suddenly I'm able to kind of move forward. And, and I think that's what it is, is that, you know, the mistake if, if, we, if we're thinking that we've been had, you know, and suddenly we wake up and we're like, 
oh my God, the government doesn't have our best interest and the government doesn't have our best interest. I mean, one of my friends said it best. We're basically like cows being fattened up for slaughter, except a cow at least gets killed and, and gets eaten. For us, they don't want us to die either because you know, if we're dead, we're no, we're no longer profitable, mm-hmm. right? So they just want to keep us just, just alive, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, the mistake we can make is if we suddenly wake up, whatever that means, and realize that we've been had, and then we go the other way, you know, well, we're still stuck because now we're adopting. It's like the Hunger Games, right? I, it's been a long time since I watched the movie, but I remember, you know, Katniss, the group that she was part of when they became power is really the same thing, right? You know, at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. So I would just say, go back to living life. I mean, that's honestly, I know it sounds simple. There's no, it sounds so simple that it's, you know, that's obvious. No, I mean, it's simple, but it's effective, like, you know, (laughs) because, like, you know, as you said, I I used to look into a lot of this stuff as well, but I've made a conscious decision just not to only stay away from this, but anything negative now. Like, I'm not interested in anything because for me now, it's like it's deliberately put out there to create a reaction. Uh, Yes, there's bad stuff happening, and yes, you need to be aware of it, and if you can do something to help help it, but the majority of us, can't do anything about have you ever world, read but... man's search for meaning yes you know and that's um, a book every you know i'll name a number of books uh man's search for mm-hmm. meaning is one of them uh the four agreements is another one uh although if you're if you're on the tohid and akida uh be mindful of the shirky concepts and the <laughs> listener if you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about um Man's Search for Meaning is an amazing sort of window to even when in the worst extreme dire circumstances, you still have your ability to respond, right? And there's a quote, I'm not going to, I don't have it memorized, but it was something about, we will remember those who during captivity saved their meals and gave it to others who were even more hungry. Right. Like, and this was at Auschwitz. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's always that capacity to respond. And, you know, the reality is, as, as much of the fear mongering that exists and how dire the situation may seem for there's still a lot that we can do uh, to live contentful, peaceful, happy, mm-hmm. simple lives. Right. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant, love it. And, and just to take you back there, you know, so you mentioned that as as an NLP practitioner, as a coach, as somebody who studied the mind, you saw certain pattern in in the behavior and the languages of of, of the governments. Can you give us some examples of, of you know what really? Well, yeah, you know, it was interesting. <laughs> One, I was really interested in how quickly suddenly we had the signs, you know. Uh, and the glass, the plexiglass in the shops and, you know, like the posters. And I mean, like Starbucks had branded the, like their color, the green Starbucks green, like they had branded, you know, like like that. Right. So I found that sort of interesting. I sort of found interesting. I mean, Canada, by the way, that our prime minister, uh, this was end of March 2020. So the pandemic was really just starting to blow up. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, and become a real concern. And all the world leaders are concerned 
right? And uh, in our prime minister, suddenly it's like, we need to take away people's guns, right? And Canada already has pretty strict gun control anyways, you know? Uh, but I found that sort of interesting, like, okay, like, you know, why are we talking about that? I found how the other pattern that I started noticing is that, you know, the big thing that happened in Canada last year, I think it was, I don't remember, because I don't really, you know, tune into it. Um, they found these like schools. Um, I'm, I know I'm going to offend someone because I'm, I'm not going to be PC right now. Um, I don't remember the names, but basically there were schools that, you know, the original Canada government, when they came sort of uh, the Aboriginals and, and the, uh, the natives, right. They, they, they forced them into these schools and they discovered all these bodies of children of dead children. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we've known about this for a long time, but now suddenly it's become a thing. Right. Like this is stuff that happened a hundred years ago and it's been known. Mm-hmm. Right. But now suddenly it's become like this huge thing. You know, there's been these protests, Black Lives Matter. like there's all these things which are real issues, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing. I'm not dismissing any of this stuff. These are real issues. But I always found that it was very convenient. You know, like, meanwhile, there's bills and laws and stuff like that being passed. Right. Um, and then the other thing I just found really interesting is that similar language. Right. I mean, that's that's where I know like that's when I know hypnosis is happening. Hypnosis is a loose term, not as a conscious vindictive sort of like there's actually a plan. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hypnotizing each other. We teach each other. I remember I walked into a high school. Um, this is like five, six years ago. I was asked to be a speaker and I walked into the class and I said, well, clearly everyone's, every guy here is watching the Vampire Diaries because you all have the Stefan. I think that was one of the characters' name. You all have his hairdo, <laughs> right? So you're teaching each other, right? But I just found it really interesting, right? And then, you know, then there's the whole stuff of the World Economic Forum and, you know, Build Back yes. Better. And I heard that. I heard that from every like... single leader, you know, the Great Reset and all of that where, you know, it's not, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. You just have to read a book, right? And notice, right? (laughs) That there's something happening. And, you know, like there, there, (laughs) and then, you know, the thing is there's so much now, you know, what's a very underrated show? Mm -hmm. The Orville. Not heard of it. It's a parody of Star Trek. Or I think it's, (laughs) thought it started off as a parody of Star Trek, right? Because it's, uh, it's Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. But they do these episodes where they go on alien home planets. And man, they went on one home planet where the entire judicial system, right, was based off of your um, online popularity. So it didn't matter if you actually committed a crime or not, execution would happen depending on what your social media account said, right? And then the way they saved their crew member was hacking into the planet's social media feed and publishing Mm -hmm. false stories that made him seem like a hero. Mm -hmm. And so then everyone voted that, oh, he's a good guy, let him go, (laughs) right? Wow. 
Okay. So they have these sort of this, these sorts of things. So yeah, those are the patterns that I've noticed. Uh, I'm still noticing, which I don't know. I just kind of live life. Like I'm just not going to play, you know, mm-hmm. while I still have mm-hmm. capacity. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just with obviously with, with, with COVID and, and, and the great reset and all no, now. Like, yeah. We've got uh, economic stuff, inflation, gas prices, yeah. Even before that, obviously, this has been going on for for years, you know. And uh, I know people these days talk about oh, the media not give us free representation. The media is this media that. Like for me, the you know the media is a propaganda tool. It's it's a, it's a weapon of war. It was designed for that purpose. So it's not there to give you, uh, you know, this is again my opinion. It's not there to give you truth or what's really happening. It's there to manipulate your opinion and your perception. Um, sure. but even if you go back to, to things like you know the the Iraq war now you know there's some great compilations now on on YouTube and where they basically they just put clips together of all the different anchors of all the different channels of all the different people um, and their language is practically identical word for word they say exactly the same thing uh, we know at the time it was weapons of mass destruction weapons of mass destruction weapons of mass destruction so you know that kind of pattern it's, it's conditioning the mind. It's programming the mind. It's, it's, it's hypnosis, is it not? It's well, NLP, it is. is it? And I think, you know, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, the news is like, see, see, for me, when someone comes up to me and says, um, yo, I think, I think media or news outlets is just propaganda. I'm like, oh, duh. <laughs> like for me, it's just so obvious, right? And, and for the sorts of people I hang out with, it's just so obvious yet. Uh, what is scary is that the vast majority of people actually believe that, mm-hmm. no, it's there to give us an unbiased, like, you know, <laughs> what world are you living in, right? Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's always been about control. Um, I mean, think about it. You know, alcohol is legal. Uh, 900 calorie burgers are legal. You know, it's not about our health or something. Like, if they're going to lock down, if they're going to be like, you know, <laughs> like we're going to mandate things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like mandate things that are good for us. Get us. They're banning all the books, mm-hmm. right? They banned. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I heard that they banned um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Right? Because it's that. another... Uh, portrayal of again a white man being the hero and mm-hmm. i'm like i never got that you know i'm not white you know i was like <laughs> i was like this is a great this is someone standing up for justice and 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 you know defending a black guy like that's what the whole thing was about and the social system because you know he was serving class you know versus the rich right like that's what i got mm-hmm. out of it and you know the other day um it was my son's book fair. And I love, I, I used to love book fairs, you know, as a kid. I was so excited to go with him because things have finally opened up here and we were able to go in person. It wasn't a virtual thing. So I was really looking forward, right? And, you know, he's 12 years old, just to give you some context. And I'm going through all of the aisles and I found all the novels, every single book there was a story of a girl of empowerment. Okay. And that's great. You know, that's great. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that's great. Right. Um, But it was all books about a female character who was the lead, who was a problem solver, who was this, who was the hero, which is all great. 
except that I'm trying to find a book for my son. And there was not a single book available for purchase in which the hero was a guy. You know, well, like it's gone the other way now. <laughs> yeah, know? because I mean, I don't want to, that's the, again, that's just a whole other topic and kind of worms because what they're going overboard with there is uh, we're trying to fight against toxic masculinity and uh, the, the male is always the, the hero and all that. But um, it's interesting you say that. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I saw a post, so, you know, again, take it with a pinch of salt, but um, a banned books list. So they showed a picture of banned books and the Killer Mockingbird was on there. Um, but so was the autobiography of Malcolm X. Wow. <laughs> now, that, I mean, like I said, I don't know if it's true or not, whether that is banned, but yeah. if it is, like, that is just mind-blowing to me because that is by far one of the greatest books that I have read. Uh, and I can understand why they would ban a book like that because that is something which will inspire the seed of, of revolution, of critical thinking, of saying no to authority, to stand up for what's right and, and to stand up for yourself by any means necessary. Whereas what we've seen over the past couple of years is, well, I'm not going to stand up for myself as long as I've got comfort, security and ease and you can take away my freedoms, you can take away my you can do whatever you want. Just well, let me have my comfort. How, 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 how long do you think before the, the Bible is banned or the Quran is banned? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I mean, if you think about it, those books, they're all stories of a single individual fighting against or standing up, you know, in the name of right and justice and God, standing up to the masses, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Abraham or Jesus or Moses or, you know, Muhammad, peace be upon all the prophets, right? It's those are the books, you know, someone's going to read that and they might get inspired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to ban that stuff, mm-hmm. man. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, to, to, to really back, so you know, the, the reason why I was talking about the the, the language patterns and, and, and the hypnosis and the, uh, what the media does is because I want to bring this now into uh, another dimension, kind of, if you will. So, where does the borderline um, between hypnosis and NLP uh, and all of this stuff against? things like magic mm. and, and the occult and spells and curses and even bring in prayer because you know the way i see it now is you know these are basically things on the opposite side of the spectrum prayer is on one side curses on the other you could do either of those things depending on obviously what your intentions are but um and the reason i bring this is a bit up because you know the views of this podcast will know i've had quite a few people who practice magic and, and the occult uh, and even you know do things with demons and uh, when you speak to these people these are not what you would think of as satanists or devil worshippers or anything like that they're just normal human beings intelligent human beings smart people they've just got an interest in these kinds of things and um, they're just following that passion and that interest um, and you know quite a few of these guys they're not even anti-religious they are religious as well obviously they, none of these were muslims that i interviewed but there were a lot of parallels with how they were describing their craft um and and, and with um you know nlp and uh hypnosis and so, so where would you draw the line um between that okay if you have studied so that kind of so let's re- let's revisit some definitions because i think it's important in order for us to be clear um nlp is a set of tools 
to model behavior. Mm -hmm. NLP is not a real thing. Okay. Right. Okay. And part of the criticism against NLP is because it's not a real thing, right? Well, neither mm -hmm. is psychotherapy, neither is Freudian therapy or Jungian the, the approach. I mean, what do you mean it's model. not a real thing? Yeah. You know, so, but the thing is, NLP specifically didn't really create anything new. They just borrowed and codified what works. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if someone approaches like a demon to get their way and then they go and teach and then i as an nlp modeler or an nlp practitioner says oh well you know suddenly i noticed this massive changes in your life you know what did you do because that's a very much of an nlp question actually uh, a more accurate nlp question is how do you do that right so when someone comes to me they're having panic attacks i'm like well that's interesting how do you do that like, how do you know? How do you know it's time to have a panic attack? Right. Mm -hmm. And so these sorts of questioning. So I can ask them, how do you do that? And then they're like, well, you know, I do this ritual. I do this. And then I get in touch with the demon and the, the demon does my bidding and yada, yada, yada. Right. So, I mean, am I really doing NLP now or am I, you know, working with a demon? I'm doing black magic. Right. So that's the thing where, like, I've always said, and, and you know this in, in some of our other offline conversations, that NLP actually helped me become uh, a better Muslim and a more pr practicing Muslim because I took the toolkit and I said, well, what is the model of the prophet? You know, peace be upon him. How did the, the Sahaba, the companions, how did they live their lives? What was Abraham like? You know, like what, what, what were his beliefs? What was he concerned with? You know, how do I model mm -hmm. that behavior, right? So I would say that there really is no border, right? It's just that in the industry, I've often found people who will be saying NLP and hypnosis. And hypnosis is really just neuroscience. I mean, both of them are just really giving a different way to stuff that's happening that we know from neuroscience. That's really what it is. Uh, I mean, that NLP fast phobia cure, the 10 minute phobia cure, neuroscience calls it memory reconsolidation. It's the same thing, right? Uh, it's just we didn't know what to call it back in the 80s. We just knew it worked. Um, so then let's go into during the time of Solomon, Prophet Solomon, you know, when the angels Harut and Marut came, they said, we're going to teach you magic, but don't learn it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a yeah, one way yeah. ticket, you know, to damnation, mm -hmm. to selling your soul. Right. And so the thing is, when you don't know that, when you don't know, now call me a conspiracy theorist on this one, but this is something I firmly believe. I firmly believe in the devil, and I firmly believe that he has had a millennia. You know, I was talking about how I have thousands of hours of NLP practice in my belt. This guy's got, <laughs> he's really good at what he does. And his mission statement was what? I am going to cause people to forget about you, God. Right? And so, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I don't know if she's a mutual Facebook friend of ours or not. But she posted, you know, another Muslim uh, individual. She posted basically a statement 
not calling anyone's names, but you're just going to the, uh, the comments and, you know, the individual she was talking about is there. But just how someone uh, in the digital marketing realm is openly admitting to using witch, witchcraft and stuff to bolster their sales. Right. Wow. And this individual wow. is, is non-Muslim and that's the thing. So they don't know, right? Like I've come across mediums, you know, who say I speak to the dead, the, the souls of the dead. And, you know, like, like our tradition teaches us that there is not that it's just jinn who have mm-hmm. the knowledge of the unseen, who have the ability to live, you know, long lives, you know, so they, they, that's how they know things. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is the sorts of thing that, you know, because I've, I've been asked this question that is hypnosis halal or is hypnosis black magic? And it's like, hypnosis is not black magic. Black magic is black magic. If a person is doing black magic and calling it hypnosis, mm-hmm. right, then that, that's misleading. And maybe they themselves are misled. There's a lot of people in my circles who believe in uh, past life regression. <clears throat> So I do regression work in hypnosis if it works. And what regression is basically taking someone to an earlier age, right? Except I'm like, it's just metaphor anyways, right? There's so much that we don't know about the mind. Maybe it really is unlocking an an event, but it doesn't matter. But some people actually believe that they're going into past lives. And, you know, when I Mm -hmm. ask them, you know, they'll be like, no, I witnessed it. You know, this person suddenly they started talking under trance. They started talking with a different voice, right? And their facial expressions changed. And I'm like, that kind of sounds like possession to me. <laughs> I don't think you're doing hypnosis anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Right? So, so that's the thing. It, it, it's the, the truth is NLP and hypnosis has nothing to do with that side. Yet there's a lot of people who are unknowingly and unwittingly involved with this side because they just don't know any better. And they're being taught that that might be hypnosis or NLP, if that answers your question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? I mean, um, so, okay, let me put it to you a different way then. Like, uh, have you had clients or dealt with people who you would say are possessed uh, and had to use your techniques to help them? Uh, and could you, and if you haven't, if you were... I've had uh, clients who thought they've been possessed and turns out it was just trauma. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, if the person's possessed, I'm not the guy to work with. I mean, go see, you know, someone that does Rokia, right. Or exorcism, right. That's you need, you need to go to an exorcist for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't get involved with stuff like that. I've gone to practitioners and the moment they say stuff like, oh, you need to write these symbols down on a piece of paper before every client. I'm out the door because I know, I know what black magic looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to, um, you know, a healer guy that used to go to his classes. And then the moment he starts talking about conversing with higher angels and higher spirits, I'm out the door. Right. And so that's the thing, you know, um, you really got to be grounded I had a client just recently is an ongoing guy. He's like 22 something years old, 23 something years old. And this guy, 
you know, he's done a quite a remarkable bunch of things. I'm listening to his story and part of me, I'm like, does he have like a mental disability because he's talking about being in a movie, publishing a course, writing a book, speaking on the same stage as Bill Gates, right? Courting a Saudi princess, you know? And like, you know, it's kind of too good to be true for a 22, 23 year old guy, right? And then, uh, you know, I ask his dad and he just laughs and he's like, yeah, I don't know how things happen for him, right? But it's all true, right? All of this stuff is true. Uh, The book didn't sell, but the Saudi princess was someone who read the book and contacted him, but she's obviously too old for him because she's like in her thirties or something. Um, You know, there's some stuff here. And and the the thing that I said to him, because he got involved He told me that in his teenage years, when life was really difficult, he really got into personal development and, um, you know, he, he got into the secret, Bob Proctor, Carnegie, like all this sort of stuff. And I said, you know, the problem, and he's like, you know, I went, I I've hung out with Saudi princes that had Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And honestly, I'm miserable. There's nothing there for you. Right. And I said to him, because uh, like you know, his, his issue was just depressed. Like, what's the point of anything, right? And uh, I said to him, you know, the thing is, you went into things the wrong order. You learned all these tools, but like for me, yeah, I learned NLP and hypnosis and all of that. But I first really got grounded in you know in in, in my being in my aqidah, like the purpose of life type stuff. Like I know my mission here. You know, I'm not using NLP to for fame or money or power or influence. For me, this is just doing good deeds, man. I got to make a living, sure. But really, you know, this might be the thing that gets me to heaven. And, you know, I'm very genuine and open and transparent about that. Right. So I said, that's what I got grounded into first. You got to know this sort of stuff first. Go through the proper mm-hmm. education because this is the light that will, you know, shine over the shady stuff. Because really, if you think about it, outside of that, what is per- personal development called to? Personal development calls to you are all you need and you can create anything you want to create. Uh, ultimately, it, it is a type of shirk. It's making us God. Like I have the capacity to make anything, to manifest, to will things mm-hmm. out into existing. That's a quality of the creator. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas we know that we can put in all our effort we can do everything, but until it's, you know, part of God's plan, it's not ever going to happen, right? And, and that gives us a lot of solace and comfort too, because then you have people who are like, I worked so hard and it still didn't happen for me. It's like, you know, maybe there's a greater plan for this. Maybe if that thing happened to you, your life would be even worse, <laughs> right? So that's yeah, that's a sort of thing where, um, you know, I, I know I went off on, on a tangent and your question was, you know, if someone comes to me with like this sort of stuff, I would not take that on because the work I do has really nothing to do with that. And I'm not equipped. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. Brilliant. I mean, yeah, again, there's so much there. So I'm conscious <laughs> of the time. So I'll, I'll wrap this uh, little segment up then. So I get that, you know, uh, obviously you stay away from that kind of stuff. Um, and there isn't really a boundary. Uh, but going back to what we were saying earlier, if, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't want to go into the conspiracy sure. theory realm, but if there are powers that be in, in, in the media, uh, in the entertainment industry who 
do practice this kind of stuff? Oh, there's not if. I, I would say there is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. concerts have full-blown satanic rituals in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, I'm just saying it for, for, for obviously for the audience because not everybody subscribes to this theory. Sure. Uh, but I would, I would go ahead and say I, I, I do believe in, in, in it too. So, how would you protect yourself against that? Because you don't really know which one uh, has the intention behind it and, and which one doesn't. Uh, so, like, you know, you don't want to be overly paranoid where, okay, I'm going to switch off everything now. I, I mean, I suppose you should really be doing that anyway. But um, obviously, because, you know, now, obviously, with the way life is, you know, we're all busy and we're all got things to do. And a lot of people now, the way they entertain their children is just to switch on the uh, YouTube or the Netflix or whatever it is. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm even I'm having a hard time trying to keep them away from that. Like, what would you do to protect yourself here then? Uh, or can you tell the difference between when it's just NLP and, and, and hypnosis and programming versus something which has got more malicious intent behind it? So I once was had a conversation with someone that was talking about the... Um, the energetics and the magic of the Quran. And I found that a very interesting conversation. She recommended this book and said any Islamic bookstore would would have that. So I went to the local bookstore and I asked the guy that works there and has been there for forever. Awesome, awesome guy. Just such a beautiful soul. You know, like the sorts of people that they just radiate, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I asked him, hey, do you have this book? And he's like, yes. And he hands me a book. He goes in the back. He comes out. He hands me a book. I'm like, this is not what I asked for. And he's like, this is the book you need. And the book he gave me was how to protect yourself from magic and gin. Right. <laughs> and, and apparently what he was saying was the book that I was asking for was asking for trouble. Right. Right. And I, I didn't know this. Right. And so, you know, when I read that, I found that th- that's where I learned that anytime you have you are writing symbols or things on a piece of paper or parchment, that's all from jinn. That's all of black magic, right? That there's certain rituals, you know, um, intuitively, like, just stay away from that. You know, whenever, like for me, it's like whenever someone says, hire spirits, hire angels, I don't care if you call them angels, right? The, the truth is, there is no ever direct conversation, but you need to have that. So I think, honestly, like, I, I'm sorry, ignorance is never an excuse. You have to learn at least a little bit, right, of what this sort of stuff looks like, right? Not mm-hmm. to learn how to, I'm not saying the how, but, you know, the markers of it, the signs of it. So you know, right? Like, there's a, a public speaker that speaks at a conference that I go to and the guy is flashing like Freemason and Illuminati symbol symbology in all his pictures. If you don't know what they look like, how would you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so these are the sort of things I think there is, there, there does require a little bit of education. Uh, but then, you know, the more practical thing, and I guess, honestly, this is just advice, obviously uh, people, you know, that, that believe in God. Right. Um, you know, my practical advice is, you know, you read your Surah Nas, your Surah Tal-Falak, <laughs> right? You have your prayers, basically. 
Well, right. prayers are a different form of ritual. So, you know, obviously the wuzu is a ritual. Yeah. Uh, the abortion is a ritual. Yeah. Prayers is a ritual. Like, so like this is why I say it's, it's the opposite end of, of the spectrum. So right. you've got rituals here, which and I would say purify the soul and, and take you on a higher uh, level. Whereas the other, I mean, I know the uh, the people that I interviewed will agree with this, but the you know when you're using magic and, and speaking with demons, that, again, it's rituals, but that is more you know kind of destroying the soul. Well, well, that's uh, I mean, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, like the dua that I always make, the prayer that I always make is just keep me guided. Like, I think that's such a beautiful, simple ask. You know, because my intention is pure, but someone can take and how many this happens in real life. Uh, evil people or self-serving people take the pure intentions of others for their own mm -hmm. purposes. So it's very easy for me under the path of trying to help someone fall into ways that are, are not good. So I'm always like, you know, keep me protected. Right. And then I look at the basic things, you know, like I keep myself clean, you know, like uh, I keep my surroundings clean, you know, pure. Um, I don't indulge in music. Right. And this is not a question of his music okay or not. This is just a conversation. And again, uh, just honestly, you know, a, a, an unbiased sort of observation that most music calls to filth. Right. I mean, listen, just read the lyrics. I remember I was yeah, mod a, modern day music, definitely. Yeah, Legoland <laughs> with my son. And there's this mom on the karaoke machine and she's singing and dancing in front of her five year old. It just, completely oblivious out of her mind. Like talk about hypnosis, right? The <laughs> lyrics was take my clothes off and I'm yours or something like that. She has no idea what she's saying, dancing and singing in front of her five-year-old child. You know, mm -hmm. like, I'm like, do you not have any sense? Right. Mm -hmm. So these sorts of things, I, I think, I think if you keep yourself pure, you keep your, your eyes pure, your ears pure. And we all know what that means. You don't get into these things you're likely not going to fall into magic or anything that's going to, you know, damn your soul, no matter how hard they try. But the thing is, we don't. We, we indulge in all the dark stuff. We, we watch the Netflix. We watch this. We do this. And then we wonder why, you know, we wake up. We've got mental like, issues. Like we're all mental anxious issues. for some reason, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure. The time has flown. Yeah, it um, has. I mean, wow. Was, there was so much more to <laughs> to kind of discuss and, and talk about. Uh, but be, you know, I'm going to actually ask you this before we finish sure. up. So I don't know how how well versed are you with with DMT and ayahuasca and, and them kind of trips. I know their names. No experience. Um, I I have read a paper where apparently our brain naturally produces DMT mm -hmm. when we're about to die, which is an interesting, you know, uh, I think it's a mercy from our Lord. Um, that's it. I mean, I know okay. what they are. I know they exist. I know people who do that. But again, like for me, you know, um, as I said, I used NLP to ground myself into becoming a better Muslim. And one of the things that Islam you know, there's, there's a few categories of Islam is all about protecting. One is family, one is your religion, but one of them is your intellect, right? And uh, I've had clients who have done psychedelics and had a bad trip, and that bad trip has become the trauma. Yes. 
right? And so, sure, curiosity, absolutely. But is it worth it? It's kind of like magic. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Not I mean, for me anyways, right? It's interesting because I, I have had DMT people on, on the podcast as well. And you know, I always say to them, look, I'm interested in DMT. I'm interested in it. And, and but that's as far as it goes. I would never try it um because you know it's it's at the end of the day it's a drug uh and you know in islam drugs are not permissible uh and the main reason for that is because you know we should be conscious of god at all times if you take something like this you're not in, you're not in your senses anymore um but you know i had a christian um that was talking to this about and he he, he, he backtracked me he said look I, I get what you're saying there but dmt for him he said it's not a drug it's uh it's a plant-based medicinal kind of thing so it's it's not yes it can open up this kind of thing but it's not a drug in that sense it's it's just something which opens up what's naturally in uh in, in the mind and they go back to this idea that dmt is something which can be naturally produced in the mind um so for him the experiences were so profound that they returned him to god made him see that there's more to life than the materialistic world uh, and there's so many people that have experiences like this as well so these kind of experiences kind of bring them closer to religion and spirituality and, and, and God. Whereas other people, they have um, traumatic experiences. Uh, and, and from my study, from the interest that I've had is, I would say is people that have uh, issues in their life going into it. So if they've got negative energy before they start this trip, they're going to have a negative experience. Whereas people that are in a positive state of mind before they have it, they will have a positive um, experience kind of thing. So um, it, it does depend on the state of the human being, according to me. So obviously I'm, I'm limited in, in, in knowledge on this, but from my research is depending on the state you are before you go into the trip is going to determine the experience um, that you have. But what I find interesting about the whole thing is, um, you know, the other way, or the the way to experience and have these things and release DMT, not just at the point of death, it's also from intense uh, meditation and and prayer and 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 you know. So my whole theory or interest behind it is, I want to achieve those states of uh, DMT and ayahuasca not by taking the plants, but from intense meditation and prayer. And, and the way I would look at that is when I'm doing the the prayer and the meditation, that's kind of, that's the practice, the initiation process. And whilst I'm going through that process, it might take six months, 12 months, two years, five years. That's kind of getting rid of all the negative energy uh, and purifying the soul and purifying the state so that when you have that experience, it is a positive one. Whereas if you just try to rush into it, skip all the hard work, then you're opening yourself up to kind of uh, negative energies and, and, and negative experiences um, and you know the reason i ask you is obviously this is to do with with the mind so yes whilst dmt and ayahuasca can open up these experiences at the end of the day these experiences are something that's already in in the mind um, and i suppose it crosses over to the spiritual experiences that people have like how would you talk about these things in in terms of somebody who studied the mind and nlp and um all of this so you know is there so much locked in the mind that we just don't have access to or 
if so how can we access that without having to take drugs or anything external yeah um I, I i mean sure i've heard the thing too that there's um you know there's there's a whole capacity of the mind that we don't use there's been a lot of movies that sort of again uh reinforce this sort of narrative and, and the truth is no one really knows right no one really knows one way or the other um I, I guess in many ways, by the way, you'd probably be very interested in a podcast episode. One of the earlier ones with Tim Ferriss, he had a psychedelic guy and he actually said the same thing that you bring on, you, you take a psychedelic, you're guaranteed a trip, except you have no idea what that trip's going to be like. But if you, it takes a lot longer, but you can achieve similar states through meditation and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You know, uh, it's, I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find it. Um, I'm a simple guy. I, I like to keep things practical. I'm just trying to you know, get <laughs> to heaven, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, like that, that, that's the thing there too. Like, you know, I, I have, you know, like I've gone down sort of the path of what if there's more and what astral projection and like stuff like that. And then, you know, you kind of go back to, you know, the conversations of like the companions, you know, and the Sahaba, and they weren't concerned about such things. And, you know, I'm like, well, if I take face value that the prophets of God, Abraham, you know, Joseph, Jesus, Moses, you know, Isaac, uh, Muhammad, they're all prophets. They actually are prophets and you believe that and then you believe in their message, then it's kind of like, okay, well, what are the things that they were concerned about? I mean, the other thing that I actually used to struggle with was, you know, how come Islam doesn't necessarily call to personal empowerment? You know, like, why do I have to go to un-Islamic sources for really learning how to, you know, live my potential? And the reality is that whole questioning is... You know, I haven't actually met anyone happy or content or peaceful, someone that went down the path of living their potential. You know, they may seem like that on the surface because they have a course to sell (laughs) or something or a program to, you know, seats to fill up. But, you know, genuineness, uh, you know, I haven't. And then you're like, well, maybe that question is the wrong question to ask. Maybe it's not about seeking your potential. I mean, that's interesting because I I would, I would... um... I wouldn't say disagree, but I would I would look at that as 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 different now. I, and I'm conscious of the time here, so this might take. I know, yeah, a bit this is a whole other thing. But finish but your point. The, the way I would see that thing. is, you know, the, the 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 purpose of life for me is obviously it's, it's from the Quran. It's to worship God, right? But you know, for some people that's enough. But you know, obviously the Quran and, and Islam is it's a book for those who who think, and you know, you have to try and develop your intellectual yeah, faculty. So, of course, how, how do you worship God? Yeah, so how, how do you worship God? So, you know, the, the three elements. Yeah, it's uh, not just the know. rituals. It's how you live. Yeah. You know, how do you, you know, worship God? So the first element is, is, is to know God. So if you want to worship God, you, know, you need to know God first. And then second is to be a vicegerent caretaker on the earth. And then obviously be conscious of God and all of that. So then the question arises, well, how do you get to know God? And, and this is something that I got from, um, I, I believe it was Imam Al-Ghazali. Uh, and he said, you know, to know God is to know yourself to know this world as it is and three know the next world as it is um, so then okay well how do you get to know yourself well this is where you 
do self-reflection, self-exploration? What are your natural talents, interests, abilities? Um, what are your biggest fears and challenges and obstacles? So, you know, you use your natural talents, you overcome your biggest fears, you become the best version of yourself. So personal development for me is a it is worshiping God because it's making use of the talents and the potential that God has given me. Right. Um, and it'd be a waste for me to not develop those. Um, and it's just another way by developing those. It's also another way for me to understand the creative power and the creative mind of God. Well, if God has given me this potential and I don't explore it and I don't know what I'm capable of, then how can I then say, I want to know what God is capable of? You know, it's got to start with you first. So you develop yourself to the best you can be. And then you use those skills to help the world, help your family, help your friends, help society. And that's how you become a vicedron and then you do that by being conscious of god with every single thing you do so correct uh, so 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 there's no disagreement at all because the thing that's driving every of all of that is getting closer to god which yes. is the whole point like that's ultimately what i'm about it's just that i often will engage in such conversations see that's something that i think is critical that needs to be mentioned by you Right. That's the motivation. That's the why. Because for a lot of people who engage in such journeys, God is not in the picture. Mm -hmm. They're trying to become God. Right. Yes. That's the danger. And that's, that's the, the danger. danger. And that's where I'm saying that that's that's these are the reasons why I don't. I'm very curious by nature. Right. Uh, trust me, if it was halal, like I would be all over that. <laughs> right. Um, but we I also know that there's also a thing whispers of the devil right and so maybe i'm having an experience because my critical thinking is out the window because there's a you know there's a whether it's a plant or whatever it is you know there's something inside of me there's a substance so i'm having an experience i mean like i said you know people have seen some really messed up things and i've had clients who otherwise were actually in a pretty good state Right. So, so that's where the whole thing is. Like, I, I can't remember the, exactly the question, but in terms of for every person who became a better Christian or got closer to God, right? I mean, it's a law of averages. I think more people will have, you know, worse trips. And it's kind of like the way the devil works because he'll tell you nine truths for that one lie. And that one lie is what destroys us. Right. Anyone mm -hmm. that engages with magic, the biggest, the biggest lie they're being told is that the person, the practitioner is in control and they never are, you know, it's like, sure, I'll do it. It's, you know, it's no different than a drug dealer. Yeah. 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 Get used <laughs> to it. Yes. I'll help you. Out. Don't worry. Let me do you favors or, you know, getting involved with the mob and then they call mm -hmm. on you. <laughs> it's you owe me one now. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I think uh, I think we'll we'll leave it there because yeah, it's a good place to leave it, right? <laughs> it's been like uh, thank you for coming on. It's, it's it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Um, just let people know, you know, what your who your ideal client is, uh, where they can find you, and how they can contact you. Sure. I I'm a horrible marketer in the sense that I don't have a niche. <laughs> so my ideal client is anyone, and I mean seriously, I work with kids. And I work with adults. I work with all in the middle, whether it's a it's, you know, corporate guy that's trying to be more effective. If there is a behavior, a belief, 
or an emotion that's keeping you stuck, and you're unable to move past that, give me a call, right? Find me, coachthemind.ca. My consultations are, you know, never any charge for that. Let's have a conversation. Uh, and if I can't help, I'll tell you I can't help, but there's a good chance that we'll be able to sort you out. Okay. And where should they go to find more? Uh, yeah. So coachthemind.ca or add me on Facebook. Uh, you know, maybe you found this recording through Facebook. Uh, if you can tag me to the post. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely yeah, I'll put the links below. Tag my personal profile. Yeah. I don't really okay. use my professional page at all. Yeah, get okay. to know me. Okay. Be friends with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't think the professional profile has, has been rolled out to, to this part of the world, so I don't even know what the professional profile okay. is yet. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Uh, I'll, I'll drop the links for that below. So uh, last word of, of, of advice of people that are struggling with their minotaur, what one piece of advice would you give them to help them right now? Turn off devices, go outside. <laughs> love it. Brilliant. And hang out with people solve, who want to spend time. That will solve a lot of problems for many people. So once again, thank you. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, drop any comments or questions you got in the comments below. Hit the subscribe button um, and I will see you in the next episode. Take care now. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Appreciate bye. it. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot if you would please rate and write a review. Please also subscribe so you get notified anytime a new episode drops. Thank you for tuning in. Now go out and attack your Minotaur.